My name is pa Pamela. I'm an addictive eater. I mean, what else can I say? I think it's all been covered, really. I think what strikes me most is that I think I have this image of myself that when I was born, and you know I've got quite a large mouth, I think I was born with my mouth wide open. <laughs> just craving something like get me out of here give me something to make me feel better about myself i really feel that you know because i can feel that, like that right now you know where i've got to be having something in my mouth to make the pain of life go away you know and um i think i was born like that i think i was born irritable discontented upset ill at ease attention-seeking. I really feel that. Um, and from a very, very, very young age, I would go into the larder, I would find my father's heart tablets, and I would take them. And I would drink them down with stout, a bottle of stout. That's how crazy I was. And I was as young as eight. My first memory of the food was probably at the, the food that disturbed me was probably um, at a birthday party when I was 12. But my romance with food was just insatiable. Um, it fixed all my problems. You know, as soon as I eat, problems go away you know the shaking go away the nervousness goes away the fear goes away I just forget my problems you know um, from a very young age and for me the disease just gets worse the illness of eating binging anorexia bulimia all that spectrum just gets worse when it's not arrested by a spiritual program that's my absolute experience. So, you know, I just got bigger and bigger as a child. And uh, I joined my job at the age of 18. I joined and I, I got to a, a weight that was acceptable to my employers by taking my father's heart tablets. <laughs> it's completely crazy. And he had a, an enlarged heart and he had a lot of water retention and I would take his water tablets so that by the time I got to be weighed at my first medical examination I was weighing lighter because I'd taken some water tablets that you know and ran around the park like a mad person at the age of 17 when I got my first job um, you know I was that's a pretty disturbed child, you know. If I saw a child like that now, an eight-year-old, a 17-year-old, or an 18-year-old, I'd probably put them in a psychiatric ward, you know, if, if, if someone knew the secret. So, yeah, you know, I grew into morbid obesity. My sister was morbidly obese. She didn't make it. She died at, at the age of 38. She was over 35 stone. I was able to come into the fellowship 25 years ago, 1993. I walked into my first meeting and I knew that the people in the meeting knew what I was talking about. They talked about food addiction or addictive eating and I thought, thank God, 
you know, and I tried all of the Weight Watchers, the Slimmers World, the Tenuit Dospan, that is a class C drug that's an antidepressant. I tried the egg diet, the orange diet, the grapefruit diet. I tried waking up in a coma and then perhaps the doctors would feed me on a drip and I'd wake up slim. I tried all of that. None of it worked. So by the time I came into 12-step fellowship, I knew I had a problem. I was depressed. My drinking, my eating was sordid. I had secrets. And I just, I needed help. And I, I think I did have a spiritual experience um, back in 1993. The doctor had said yet again, aren't you ashamed of yourself? What about your suspension on your car? You're breaking that. Because my biggest weight was 26 stones. So, and I was in my, I was in a public office. I was a public servant. I was um, wearing a uniform. And the job that I did was a job where, where, you know, a certain type of woman wasn't doing that job, you know. Um, you know, a bit like if you wear glasses, people take the piss out of you. Well, if you're doing my job and you look the way I do, it's just another excuse for people to say, you fat pig. So I was used to that as well. So there came a time when I couldn't stand myself and I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror anymore. And my friends were saying, but you're so pretty. You've got such a gorgeous smile. Can't you just... Well, no, I can't. I can't just lose weight. I can't do it. Don't put me under that pressure. Don't ask me about the diet I said I was going to start and I haven't been able to keep to. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm just obsessed about food. So, yeah, when I came into the fellowship and I met these people, I was, I was at home and um, I tried to do what the people told me to do. And at first... I did the, all you have to do is stop eating white sugar and stay away and have three meals a day and you'll be fine. And I tried that for years. And on the outside, I lost the weight. So, you know, for the first 15 years of the fellowship, I went from 26 stones to 11 stones. So I looked okay. But the obsession with food was still with me. You know, the still planning it, the dreaming about it. They're trying to think of great recipes, you know, to diminish the calories, and it didn't work for me. Um, I needed more than that. I needed constant surrender. And I never appreciated that I might have been an alcoholic, you know. So in the beginning, I thought, well, drinking is full of sugar, so, you know, I'll, I'll give up the sugar as part of the food plan. But then after a while... You know, the obsession with the, I'll just buy one bottle and have it over the weekend. A glass on Friday night, a glass on Saturday night, finish the remainder on Sunday. Well, that wasn't going to work either, you know. I exercised myself fat for the first 15 years. <laughs> Jesus, I used, to, I used to snuck out of work and go to the gym twice, three times a day, whilst in the first 15 years of being abstinent from sugar and white flour. It's completely crazy. So I kept coming back. You know, I really identify with, I knew there was nowhere else to go. I was not going to try another diet. There's just nowhere else to go. I knew that this was the last stop 
on the train. The rest was suicide and, and or murder. <laughs> Anybody in my way, you're going to get murdered. So um, 10 years ago, I met my sponsor. Now, I'd seen the people who my sponsor sponsor. I'd seen them in the fellowship 15 years earlier. And I would see them at a workshop like this. And I avoided them like the plague because they were walking around with clean cut plates with clean cut food on it. They sometimes walked around in with Tupperware with what I could see was food that, oh, please. I didn't like that. I thought, oh, and they were quiet. They weren't like me. I'm charming. I like people to like me and flutter around me and full of character. And I didn't want to be around those quiet members who sat quietly eating sober food and drinking nice glasses of water and peppermint tea. I didn't want to be around them. I wanted to be with the gang who said, let's go to the restaurant next door. We'll find some, some free sugar and white flour food on the menu and let's enjoy that. So tacos, you know, well, that's tacos, you know, crisps and, and chips. Well, that fits carbohydrate. We'll have some of that. You know, I wanted to be with the in crowd, the louder members of the fellowship. And I knew it wasn't really working for me. I knew that I needed a character change. So eventually I approached the group of people who were quiet, who did service, who turned up at meetings and were really engrossed in helping others, looking for the newcomers, paying attention, carrying a message. You know, eventually I approached those ladies and she said just what the others have said, you know, are you willing to go to any lengths? And she knew I'd been around for 15 years at that point. And um, I said, yes, of course I am. No, I, I was absolutely, there was something in me that was ready to give up. The sordid lifestyle, the lies that I was telling my husband and my family, the image I was presenting to the fellowship that I knew was just a load of absolute you-know-what. So um, I said, yeah, I knew I, was, I wanted to stop that lifestyle, but I didn't know what surrender meant, and I didn't know what going to any lengths would mean, but I knew I was willing to try that. And she said to me, Pamela, you've been around a long time. People know you, so you're going to have to act like a newcomer again. You're going to have to look at that big book of alcoholics as though you've never seen it again. And you're going to have to ask for help. And, you know, I thought, what a bloody relief. Because I'm forever playing this game, you know. It doesn't work. Um, and she said, she said simple things like, get to bed at 11 o'clock at night, wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning and brush your teeth. Be where you say you're going to be and mean it. Tell people the truth. And read these pages from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 186, 187, 188. Because in it, it tells the story of the third alcoholic. When this fellowship was born in 1935, the co-founders went to the third member and suggested to the third member a number of things in that story, in that big book. And it just says things like, look, if you still think your own ideas will work, fine, go ahead and do them. But if you think you might need some help, you're 
if you think your intellect, because you know, I, I did my job for 30 years. I had a marriage, I had a mortgage, I had two cars on the drive, but I couldn't manage my emotions. I was fear, you know, full of fear. I was restless, I was irritable, and I couldn't stop. Couldn't stop eating, couldn't stop drinking, couldn't stop exercising fat. <laughs> couldn't stop being charming and loud. And as you see, I still haven't stopped that. Not perfect yet, you know. Um, so yeah, I needed a lot of help. So this lady and others have been sponsoring me for the last 10 years. Every now and again, I have a bright idea. And I say things like, oh, I'm a bit tired today, maybe I won't ring my sponsor. And I turn to my husband and I say, listen, I've got to get up so early to ring my sponsor. I think I might, I think I might cut this down to three times a week. How about that? Four times a week I'll have a nap, sleep in, and then three times a week I'll ring her. I'll have a chat with my sponsor about that and my husband. And you know, both of them said, no, Pamela, not for you. <laughs> not for you, Pamela. You know, your personality needs stamping on. <laughs> and they're right. And I'm pleased to be told that. Because it works, you know. I have freedom from the food obsession. I have freedom from exercising myself fat. I have freedom from taking pills just to take the edge off. Just then a headache. I think I've got a headache. I'll just take a pill and then I feel all serene. I have freedom from my own BS. I have freedom from, I was such a nuisance, you know. You know, when you're loud and you're overconfident and you can see people rolling their eyes because you've got something to say on every topic. I've got a little bit of freedom from that. Um, and it's getting better. Um, the rewards have been magnificent. I have maintained this weight release, you know. Food for me is just a symptom. It's not my problem. That's just an indicator that something's wrong under the skin. And it's under the skin that needs changing. The food is a symptom, the drink is a symptom, the pills are a symptom, the exercising myself, the running the marathon is just a symptom of the spiritual and the mental and the emotional problems that lie under the surface. And it's that that the 12 Steps and the Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that's what has cured me, it's, got, it's changed me. And I can't sit here and tell you I've changed. I think you have to approach people like my family and my friends and my husband and ask them, you know, how has this person changed? Is she a nice person to wake up with every day? Is she a nice person to speak to every day? Is she really helpful? Those are the people that you have to ask. But I guess the people who've known me and some of the people in this room have known me for 25 years. Some of the people in this room have known me for that long. 15 years, you know, um, might say that. But it's nothing to do with me. The program is spiritual. And um, I've just taken direction from people who are more sober than me. Sometimes my skin scrawled, you know. Recently, in the last couple of weeks, we've started a new business. We've started a new, we've been organizing the workshop. Uh, I have, I've done all sorts of things. 
because of sobriety. Everything I have is because of sobriety. And it's been tiring. And my sponsor has suggested some stuff to me that I really balked at, you know. You might want to speak to so-and-so because they've got that experience and you might want to do this. And today you might want to do this. And I've thought, but even though I've thought, it's not resistance. It's, it's, just, it's just an awakening where I've thought, do you know, you're right. And I will I'll do exactly that. And I don't listen to the voice in the head that goes, I just take the action. And I don't know, I don't know where that comes from, you know, but it, it works. It works where I just automatically take the advice and the experience of people who have been around. My, my sponsor's been sober from everything for over maybe 33, 35 years. She's a wonderful woman. And, you know, the other thing that we say in the fellowship is that normally we are people that wouldn't mix. You know, there are people in this room that, you know, I don't know. I don't, there are people in this room I just wouldn't usually come across in my life. And they wouldn't come across me, you know. But we just get along so fantastically well by helping each other to recover from this awful, suicidal, depressing disease. And the solution is simple, straightforward. If I just ask for help, sit on my ego and just ask for help. And no matter what happens, I just keep coming to the meetings. I keep listening to other members and I keep my mouth shut. That's the wonderful thing. You know, I do talk a lot. Um, but one of the great things I've been taught is listen a lot more, Pamela. Listen a lot more. Keep your mouth shut. Read the book. Connect with the power that's greater than yourself. You'll be all right. Do that every day and you'll be all right. And, and that, is my, that is my experience. So thank you very much for allowing me to share with you. Yeah.